Welcome to the NextGen Work Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ross. I help leaders support working parents so that they can recruit and retain the best people. Join me as I interview experts and provide insights into the struggles that parents and caregivers face in the workplace. Learn how your business can become a place where parents feel included, supported, and valued. Being a family-friendly business isn't just a nice-to-have anymore. For the next generation and those that are raising them, it is critical. Today, I'm talking with Paul Sullivan, the founder of The Company of Dads, which is the first platform dedicated to creating a community for lead dads. And if you're not sure what a lead dad is, well, stay tuned. As a lead dad himself, Paul understands the joys, frustrations, and isolation around talking about being a lead dad. And even though it's a role that is growing in numbers, it is still far from normalized, and Paul is on a mission to change that. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Courtney, thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's get started uh, by telling us a little bit about your family. How many kids do you have? How old are they? And what's something that you are just really loving about this stage of life with your kids? Holy moly. Well, uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying my favorite number is five. And people are like, why is he telling me what his favorite number is? And that's because I have three kids, three dogs, three fish, until recently, three cats but the youngest daughter uh is super allergic and we had to rehome the cat oh no uh, the three dogs i think we still have the three fish i try not to count the tank's a little murky should be cleaning it but the girls uh the daughters the three daughters are 6 11 and 14 and so that is first grade sixth grade and eighth grade um and you know i i told this to a friend years ago when he said oh my goodness you're having three kids what, what does that mean i said I'm pretty sure I'm no expert on this, you know, that not, not like I've had three kids before in a previous life or something like that. And right. Labrador, I don't know. Um, but uh, no, I said, no, three kids. Chances are if you have three, one of them will always be happy. And that's kind of the way I'm going about it. It's like they're totally different kids. And what I love about this stage in life is um, I think I've learned with the from being 14 that uh, the personality is pretty set early on. And so the 14-year-old has already said that she would like to be some sort of academic. And she said she thinks she wants to be a professor of English literature, which if you knew her, you'd say that's perfect. Uh, the middle one um, is Ray Sunshine, loves kids. She wants to do something with kids. She wants to be either a pediatrician or a kindergarten teacher, both of which I think would be fabulous for her. The that was my life goals growing up. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's, it, it, she's so good with like, we'll go for allergy shots and she'll like make mm-hmm. ugly eyes at little kids and they'll, they'll it's amazing. <laughs> The youngest one, she keeps her uh, cards a little closer to her vest. Uh, I don't know if I should say this on air, but we're pretty sure she's already been recruited by the CIA uh, <laughs> because she has this like satellite dish outside her room. She and the biggest dog are back there. I don't know what they're doing, uh, but I think they must recruit them <laughs> young because she's the most intense one uh, of all. But uh, this, this, with the best part of this stage, they have their personalities. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, my daughter is just about to be two, so she's really just starting to like develop that personality. Um, sometimes better than others. She's got a very strong personality. We'll put it that way. <laughs> number two, number two. She's not. She's not going to be left behind. That she doesn't realize there's two years different. She's just going to keep competing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when they fight, like she is always the instigator, and she's. 
a quarter of my son's size. She's tiny, always in the like three to five percentile at every checkup. But she thinks she can win every fight because she starts all of them. Well, and then my poor four-year-old is just trying to be the peacemaker. (laughs) That's sweet. They'll work it out. Yeah, they will. It's fun. Um, So you have the company of dads, right? Like, what is that? Tell us about it. What is it? Good question. What does that mean? Uh, What does it mean? What does it mean? The Company of Dads is a media company, community platform, and workplace educator aimed at lead dads. And the the follow-up question would be, what the hell is a lead dad? Well, a lead lead, dad, dad, yeah. A lead dad is a go-to parent, whether he works full-time, part-time, or devotes all of his time to his family, and in many cases is supporting his wife or partner in their career. And, you know, our ultimate goal, we, we call it the company dads. Uh, I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a lead dad. I was a lead dad in my previous life as as a journalist. Um, but the, the tagline is really helping families fulfill their full potential. And we advocate for, for men to take on, you know, more of the work at home for sure, uh, but also to be you know, allies and advocates of working moms in in the office. So we, we really push for them to to help out on, on two two very different spheres. Yeah, cool. So, what does being a lead dad kind of look like to you? You know, you said taking on more responsibilities. Like, what does that what does that mean to you? What is a lead dad? Well, I'll tell you a personal story. So, yeah. you know, back back in 2013, you know, my career was cruising along. My my life dream was to to write for the New York Times, and I had accomplished that. I was a columnist for New York Times. I started that in 2008. Uh, I'd written a book that was my second dream, uh, and the book actually did pretty well. Uh, and that led to this world of keynote speaking. We had we had two kids at the time, and my career and my personal life were cruising along. Couldn't have been any better. My my wife came to me and she said, you know, I think it's time for me to start my own own business. And I said, awesome, you know, go for it. You know, I couldn't be any happier in my career. You should do, do what you want. And she works in, in, in asset management, which is, uh, sort of, you know, people, uh, think of people's retirement savings, think of teachers and, and you talk about forest rangers, people who have uh, 401ks or pensions. The asset management industry is, is helping manage all that money so that one day, uh, there'll be more money than you put in and you'll be able to retire and, and do what you want, uh, in your retirement. Yeah. And she'd been worked for various firms and she said, I'm going to go and, and, uh, you know, tell my partner, uh, tomorrow, um, that in about three months, I'm going to leave and, and start my own firm. And I said, um, I'm a New York Times columnist. I can't tell you to lie, but I think that's a horrible idea. And she said, why? And she said, cause partner is not a good human being. And she says, what do you mean? I said, he divorced his wife so he could send his son to boarding school. What are you, what he got rid of the kid off the boarding school. Oh, no, no, no. She, she went. And of course, it did not go well. And she came home the next day. She was locked out of the system. And, and she said, oh, God, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I think you'll start your, your firm today. And yeah, we agreed to that. And yeah. she said, what, what about the kids? And I said, well, I'll become the lead dad. And she said, what does that mean? And I said, I don't know. But this is not really a time to panic. You know, it just lost an income. This isn't good. And the big and she was the higher earner by a lot. Like the bigger income, yeah. very, very bad. Um, but what it meant was I was at a stage in my career where I had control over my time and I could step up. And and that's why we very intentionally use the phrase go-to parent. I wasn't the primary parent because if you're the primary parent, that means there's a secondary parent and nobody wants mm-hmm. to be secondary when it comes to right. parenting. But I was the one fielding all the calls uh, 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 from from the dentist, from the, the pediatrician, from the schools. I was coordinating the play dates. Um, but I was also, you know, organizing my whole work life 
you know, around the kids. And I was able to do that because everything in my life uh, had a pretty set deadline. Uh, I knew, you know, when things were, were due. There wasn't a surprise. That's not a completely dad because I was keeping what I was doing secret because I was, I don't want to say I was embarrassed. Um, I love what I was doing, but I wasn't exactly waving a flag saying Paul Sullivan lead dad. It was Paul Sullivan, New York Times columnist. That's, that's the flag that I was waving. And it took COVID for me to realize that that, you know, I needed to be uh, a real lead dad. I needed to sort of, you know, be a champion of, of people in the workplace as well, because I wasn't, I was afraid to tell my editors at the New York Times, you know, that I wasn't anywhere other than, you know, where we're talking right now, which is the office in my house, or or I was actually in the physical office of the New York Times in, in, in New York City. Um, yeah. Because I didn't know how it would be received. And I remember doing this one call um, that I wrote about when I left uh, in, in 21 with a, a former cabinet official in the Clinton White House. And I did the call outside of a ballet studio. And she would have no reason to know where I was because the phone's a phone. This is before Zoom. It wasn't right. like, you know, you just, you're <laughs> on the phone. Um, and the pediatrician called play the pediatrician that yeah. kind of like while I'm on the phone with a high-ranking cabinet yeah. official. Oh my God, this is not good. And it wasn't good because I, I had to take the call from the pediatrician because as mm-hmm. every parent knows, if you do not take that call, you could call back in five seconds. You're not getting a total of it. Most of them again. Like, <laughs> you're not getting all of it. Like the pediatrician, they're like magicians. They're like, poof, gone. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Literally, where are you? Like, I missed the call. And so, what, but what can I tell this woman? You know, she has kids, but she's Cabinet, former cabinet official, come right. us. And so in the middle of the conversation, I said, that's an amazing point. And it reminds me, and I hung up, and I hung up on her mid-question, took the call from Peter Church. Now she's calling me back because who hangs up on a former right. cabinet official? Nobody hangs up on this person. No, it took me forever to get the phone call. You don't hang up on this person. Um, and I take the call, and then I, I can't lie to her. So we come back on, and I say, um, I'm very sorry that happened. The cell phone service in my town is horrible. Where were we? Both of which was true. I happened to be sitting still, so the cell phone service was fine. I've been, dry. but that was an example to me of like I wasn't able to be honest, and so really the full evolution of being a lead dad and what what gave me the idea to to leave what was otherwise an amazing, great, fulfilling career was COVID. When you know my wife and I were both fortunate enough to be uh, knowledge workers, white collar workers, so we could work remotely. But it was mm-hmm. you know there's one thing to balance your family and your career and your life when your kids are going to school. You know, when you're able to leave your house. <laughs> you're like, and when when that's not happening anymore, you're like, oh my God, like what is this is my head I'm the head exploding emoji right yeah. now. Um <laughs> and it was then when I looked around and I realized that there's nothing. There's really no support for, for men. There's lots of stuff for moms, everything for parents is really for moms. Um and the only things for men were, were things of, of men in some sort of distress. Uh they got divorced. Yeah. That was that was divorce was kind of the best case scenario. Some of the then there was like drug addicts, uh alcoholics, uh guys who'd been incarcerated and were leaving prison it was all super important but like you know if if the listeners could see my background they'd see a whole bunch of golf stuff here and and that's my hobby but like golf is frivolous it's silly none of us are ever yeah be great players but there's so many communities for golfers and so that's when it really kind of bothered me like why aren't there communities for men um and then the last thing and then i'll I'll be quiet last one was you know (laughs) I did what a journalist would do, and I did, like, I wonder, like, how many men are lead dads out there? Like, how many men in the United States would qualify as lead dads? Turns out, super easy to figure out, because we tell everything to the U.S. Census, and what we don't tell to the U.S. Census, the Bureau of Labor Statistics finds out, and what they don't find out, Pew kind of triangulates, and they've got this amazing data, and that's when it was sort of eye-popping. 
that there are 25 million men in the United States who are lead dads or could be lead dads. That's a third of all fathers. And it's being driven by a millennial and Gen Z dads. Uh, And then there was this group that I'm in, the guys in their 40s and 50s for whom COVID was a wake-up call. We didn't have to commute all the time, work from home. No matter what you did, you you found a way to work from home. good friend of ours is, is a, a doctor, an oncologist. He's literally trying to cure cancer, and he realized that he could run his lab, you know, remotely a couple days a week. And, and that's, yeah. so that was really the catalyst. And, and then we, 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 we went from there. Oh, I love it. So um, you were talking about there not being much for dads. There's a lot more for moms. It reminds me um, when we had our first kid, which was born about two weeks before COVID hit. So that was fun. Um, but we were you in had this hospital. moment. You had this moment of like, oh, the, how wonderful. Like, what, what's happening? Yeah, exactly. Huh, what is this going to be? Yeah, it was. that was fun times. Uh, but, you know, we were in the hospital and there's all this signage all over the room. Um, and all of the like paperwork that they give you and everything is like how to watch out for postpartum depression in the mom. How to watch out for all these signs. You know, dad, you should be looking for all these signs that your wife or, you know, baby mom might be having a problem and then like the only thing they say to dad is don't shake the baby (laughs) it's like (laughs) dads are really bad about shaking baby syndrome moms are going to get depressed and have all these problems and you need to be careful blah 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 blah. there's so much like you know literature that they're throwing at us concerned about me and nothing for my husband it's like man you'll be fine don't shake still shake the baby and (laughs) it's like totally uneven you know um so i love that you're on this mission to kind of like make it a little more even provide a space for dads um and you know lead dads my husband was probably a little more of the lead for the first couple of years of our kids lives um, because i was teaching k through 12 yeah and a band program after school so that meant i was going to all of the high school football and basketball games competitions on the weekends after school rehearsals all of this four hours from family with no help other than daycare. So, you know, he was doing probably 80% of the daycare drop-offs and pickups. If the kids got sick, usually he's the one that had to stay home. Uh, I'll admit I'm a little more organized. So I did most of the phone calls and appointment making, but I mean, he was doing most of the commuting kids around and taking care of snotty babies and all of that because he had more flexibility and more paid time off, frankly. I just didn't have any because maternity leave ate it all up. That's yeah. a whole nother issue. Um, so, yeah, he, he kind of was, I guess, the lead parent there for a couple of years. And now the tables have turned and I'm working from home and that's you know going to fall more on me. But it's it's an interesting concept that I'd never really thought about. He, mm-hmm. he kind of was the lead for the first two or three years. You know, it's one of the things we talk about at the company Dad said that being a lead parent it's not, you know, 18 to life. You know, the joke they say when you have yeah. a child, like it's 18 to life. It, it often, uh, you know, ping pong back and forth between parents. And you could be a lead dad for a certain period of time. You'd be a lead mom for a certain period of time. And it, it often is dictated, it's almost always dictated by by circumstances, you know, often yeah. around, you know, jobs or opportunities or income. And, and it takes, you know, somebody to have a really clear eye to say, okay, what's best for the family unit? Like before we have kids, even when we're married, you know, you could just kind of do what you want to do. Like if you want to go do this, yeah. go ahead. Like, you know, your spouse is fine. You know, they have your hobbies. But once you have kids, it's it's not just, you know, don't be selfish. It's not being selfish. It's a mind shift. So you start thinking about 
about the unit as a whole and knowing that, okay, I may be doing this for two years. I may be doing this for five years, but you know, what, what's going to come down the road? We, we don't know, but we have to just be prepared to sort of adapt. But, you know, to do that, yeah, I've obviously thought a lot about this, you know, to do that. Um, if you're not me, you, you need support. And that's one of the, the reasons why, you know, there's the media component, which, uh, you know, sort of calls people in the, the community part, which is pure, you know, support and the workplace education, which tries to change the dynamic um, in, in the office. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What does that workplace education kind of look like for you? Um, you know, what are we educating people on? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, it's, 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 we're educating workers, but we're also really educating, you know, managers as to how to mm-hmm. think differently because, you know, was something that the company of dads necessary in 2019? Of course, um, these issues were there, but COVID uh, accelerated it and it changed things so quickly, so fundamentally. And you have um, this layer of of managers, those who are still really in, in you know, people-centric managers, they call it. So mm-hmm. middle, man- middle managers would be kind of a quasi-pejorative term, but, but, you know, managing hundreds and hundreds of people as opposed to you know, the CEO who manages like five people who then manage, you know, right. down from there. Yeah. And hitting that level. So like things have changed and people, okay. And the knee jerk reaction when there's massive changes, I just want to go back to how it was before. If I could only go back to how it was before, everything will make sense to me. But it's not possible because the, the before is, yeah. is gone. And so a lot of the work we do is like, okay, you have this group and you, we talk about, you know, lead dads and working moms as, as one group, but we also expand it out in the workplace and we say, you know, some people, you may get pushback, you may get pushback. I'm not a parent. Uh, I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm, I never had kids. It's like, so let's push back and let's talk about caregivers. Let's talk about policies that benefit all caregivers because whoever you are, you'll be a caregiver at some point. And so mm-hmm. with companies, you know, the in-person stuff, we start with really like five or six um, not terribly complicated uh, proposals that any company can implement that I guarantee will have, it, it will not have a negative impact and it will not have an enormous cost and chances are will have positive impact. So one example of that is something mm-hmm. that we call, we call care days. And yeah. care days are separate from sick days. Uh, they're separate from personal days. They're separate from bereavement days. They sure as heck are separate from vacation days. They are, you know, some people say, well, aren't they just, you know, PTO? Like I say, yes, but, and the but is important. It's so crucial to name things. And so when you can allow somebody to say, I have a care emergency, I am taking a a care day. I am not Mm -hmm. calling in sick because I am not sick. There's somebody that I'm caring for uh, needs my assistance. That changes the dynamic of the conversation. And, you know, why is that again? Why is that important? If you look back, 20 years ago, very few companies offered mental health support, mental any sort of mental yeah. health care. And therapists and psychiatrists, you know, it was so pejorative. Like, you know, crazy people go see a uh, therapist. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. people who want to solve the problems of life, they go and they talk to somebody who knows something more about them. And like today, you won't ever work for a company that said, you know what? I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're suffering from depression uh could you break your leg and you're like what like well if you broke your leg we could cover that but like the the whole brain yeah. thing we don't it just would never like it would be something on saturday night live it would be such an absurd conversation and that's where i believe 
care at work is now. And we're just at the beginning of it, of, of leading this conversation. So to come back, you know, a long-winded answer when a simple one would have done, uh, the company does, we do uh, t- two things. We do uh, seminars and trainings uh, in companies, but hopefully by the second quarter of next year, we've just partnered with the B2B company that's going to turn a lot of this into um, sort of video modules that a company can share with all their employees. Because the issue, of course, is if you go into uh, XYZ company, and you talk to a room of 50 people, you talk to a room of 150 people, that's all, those, those are the only people you've talked to. And that company may have right. thousands of people, they may have tens of thousands of people. And so we're moving it to make it more online and asynchronous so the company can say, okay, I'll buy X number of licenses and let's try this out. And then that way we can reach more people because this is, you know, the company of dads is a, a for-profit company, but we're driven by passion and we want to, right. you know, I, I want to change the world so it's, you know, better for my daughters and, and you know, build on, you know, what my wife and I have been able to do together. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it, right? We want the world to be better by the time our kids get there. Um, I had an interview with someone else and asked him about his paternity leave, you know, like, did you take paternity leave? And he said, that shouldn't even be a question. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, it shouldn't. So by the time my son has kids, I hope that's not a question anymore. You know, yeah. um, it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be wondering if there was leave, if you were able to take off to take care of your kids. Um, so hopefully, you know, what you and I and people like us are doing will change the world for that, for the better. By the time our kids are our age, have their own children, these won't be problems anymore. Maybe Life. maybe we'll work ourselves out of business. <laughs> I, I, would, I would love that. Um, but... You know, my first job as a journalist, the editor uh, was right out of central casting and he would smoke in his office and you'd smell the smoke come. And like, I can't imagine anybody in an office building, you know, smoking today. And just as yeah. we're at this stage now where, you know, companies really get a lot of credit when they institute an equitable parental leave policy. Yeah. And that's important. But, you know, at a certain point, like you said, that should just be table stakes. Like, mm-hmm. what company is not going to offer you health insurance? What can you know? Right. Waves of like, wait, isn't it vision? We got vision insurance, and like, what? It's, it's part of the whole package. Like, and and this is part of the whole package because you know, look, there's tons of research showing how moms, working moms, have been, are penalized and have historically been penalized married children. How the it, it impacts their their lifelong earnings. But there's also research that shows that, you know, men before COVID who raise their hands to be, you know, what we call lead dads, what other people might call, you know, fully involved parents, mm-hmm. they were seen as they were seen as insufficiently committed to work. And they were penalized for doing that. And you, you take the lens back and you're like, what are we saying? Like, do we want to work workforce of like sociopaths? Like, okay, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some babies and see you later. Like, no, that's not yeah. what we want. That's not like the family. And there are such Again, as I say, I'm not I'm not launching rockets to the moon. Um, I'm not a physicist. There are very concrete solutions that can have um, an outsized impact on the workforce and ultimately on a company's bottom line, because the happier your workers are, the less likely they are to, to leave and take a job somewhere else. Yeah. So specifically um, talking about leave, like parental leave, after you've just added a child to your family one way or the other. Um, why is an equitable leave plan or policy so important? Why should dad get to take leave more than, you know, two days? <laughs> two days. Um, yeah. 
There's a professor who used to be at Georgia and is now at Auburn, which I don't know how that's allowed because that's crossing lines in the SEC. <laughs> um, but she said she did research. And at one point, the average leave um, that men took was a day. And I was like, what? The, the average. And so that meant like to get the average to be one day, like, I don't know. What were some guys like? Can we take like an hour? It's taking none. Yeah. Man, just, I don't even know. Like how like. Schedule C sections on Friday night. I don't even know. So you could have the weekend. I, I, don't, I mean, look, the, 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 the research says that, you know, equitable leave, uh, it allows men to bond uh, with their children and it gives them a lifelong connection that creates a more involved uh, parent. Um, and, 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 you know, the more you see uh, with the birthing spouse, your wife, partner uh, has gone through, the, the more empathy you have, the more connection you have with your children. That's the obvious reason. But I also, I, I, I kind of, you, you alluded to this, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I almost see like parental leaves at, parental leave as, as table stakes um, because it, it looks great. Like, yeah, we're going to give you 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks. But if it's not modeled by the senior people in your company, there's a huge disconnect. If you come back, and, and I've been talking to a guy later on today who I've been talking to through the second parental leave, who and he works in HR at this company, which blows the mind once I tell you what I'm going to tell you. Um, he's on this HR call, and this guy comes back, and the senior HR person says, How was your vacation? Now, ugh, anybody who's at like, kind of like, it, there's nothing like, I, I don't know, there's not a, it's not a vacation, it's tiring, it's all consuming, it's joyful, ah. it's using it's. You know, you, you laugh at times, but it's, the vacation is sitting on a beach with a rum cocktail. And I don't remember right. doing that with any of my three kids. Um, no, I remember being covered in puke and poop and not sleeping. <laughs> and if anything, it was like a shot of vodka. It's like, okay, let's go. We can yeah. do this. We got this. There is no like fruity cocktail with an umbrella. Um, yeah. But that's a problem. And the problem is that, you know, you have a generation of leaders in their 40s and 50s who are apt to say stuff like, when I was a parent, I didn't take any time off. Or do you have any idea how many soccer games I missed for my kids? Or, yeah, I didn't hardly ever saw my daughter, you know, when she was young. But they don't say it with remorse. They're not remorseful in saying it. They're almost boastful yeah. in saying it. And so what does that do? That that cre- creates this track in somebody's head. We're like, oh, can I do this? What if I don't do this? You know, uh, is this going to hurt my career down the road? But I want to be able to get And so we have to stop there. So you can give all the leave in the world. But if people aren't um, not just encouraged, but really supported in taking it and then encouraged and supporting in returning from that leave, it's going to be problematic and flawed. And then we can get on my whole, you know, soapbox as to why, um, you know, however great your parental leave is, you give people 20 weeks, whatever, give them 30 weeks. It doesn't matter because the the issues and the, the, the complications around parenting do not stop when a child is six months old, nine months old, a year old. I mean, yeah. you, you need to have, you know, care built into the structure of work so that when your 14-year-old uh, comes home and, and her friends have been really mean to her, you can take a moment and go take a walk with her or go get an ice cream with her and be not just a parent, but be a human. And you have to find yeah. a way to build that in throughout, um, you know, th- throughout the, the parenting parenting cycle uh, in a workplace. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I mean, I just mentioned earlier, my husband was having to take almost all of the sick days because I had none. I didn't have, I was negative three sick days by the time I left teaching because I had had to take time off to be with my kids. I didn't stay home when I was sick. 
God, no, I didn't have the time to do that. You know, I went to work with whatever, but sometimes well, chances are it was stay home and the kids, the kids at school, the kids at school, I got you sick anyway. So you're just kind of keeping the the circle going. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those tear days would have been so helpful. Instead, I was, um, almost like shamed for having to take time off to take care of my kids. It was like my principal and, literally and said this a in teacher, a faculty You were a teacher. This is a mind-blowing part yes. of this. Yes. Yes. In a faculty meeting in front of all of the faculty, she actually said this. She was talking about everyone having to find our own subs, which first of all, like, that's crap. If you're sick, you wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you're supposed to call around and try to find somebody to cover you. So she was talking about that and used me as an example of someone who had had to take a lot of time off lately. And it would have been such a burden off of the secretary and her and the vice principal if I had found my own subs. And that it would be really helpful if we could find other people to help us out, a family member to watch the kids when they're sick or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't have family here. And if my kid's sick, I'm not farming them off on someone else. They're sick. They want mom or dad. They want, you know, and they need to stay home. And we don't want to share their germs with some random nanny I've hired for the day. Like, there was so so much. This is the absurdity of this. Like, you weren't working on, like, an oil rig 30 miles off the coast of Louisiana. And like, hey, man, you got to be here. You can't leave the oil. Like, you were a teacher in a care setting educating children. Um, But, look, there are a lot of I still did not have the time to take care of my own kids. Yeah. Right. Which is why I'm here now. Uh, (laughs) And then thinking about the leave and the equitable leave, and um, I think it's so important you pointed out that like it doesn't matter if dads and moms or both parents are able to take, you know, 20 weeks of leave or whatever. If the dads don't feel like they can or don't feel like they should, it doesn't matter. And I feel like it never have I met a birthing parent, a mom who was like, oh, I'm going to go back as soon as I can. Most of us now, I think, feel like, yeah, we'll take the whole leave. But I don't feel like dads have that yet. I think in uh, a lot of cases, they still feel that pressure. Oh, not at all. Not at all. My my husband took all of his leave, thank goodness, um, and was able to split it up, which was very helpful for us. But I feel like a lot of dads still feel that pressure to be the breadwinner, quote unquote, and get back to work. I would say that it's it's, it's sort of industry specific. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, my wife working in financial services, there was a time when it was a badge of honor that the most senior women, uh, when my wife was in her 20s, and so these women would have been in their early 40s, and they were having a child, and they were working right up to the moment that they gave birth, and they were this. And there's a famous example um, in the 2000s with a woman named Marissa Meyer who became the CEO of Yahoo and was trying to save Yahoo from itself. And she had a pretty uh, brutal, um, like, a leave policy for people in our company. Yet, because she was a CEO, she essentially built a nursery next to her office and brought a nanny in so she could be with a child all the time. And it was that, it was so like remarkably, you know, tone deaf. And so I think it's, you know, the, it, it comes from your industry, it comes from your managers, it comes from your leaders, whether they're men. Or, or women as to, you know, what is acceptable. And some companies have big, you know, companies, as I say, the, the most for-profit, for-profit companies out there um, have policies where they um, restrict people's access 
to technology when they're on leave? Well, one that stands yeah. out is this company called Bailey Gifford, which is a big money manager. Um, and and if you, like you're caught cheating, like trying to log in, they literally yeah. cut you out, cut you off, and like you're supposed to take leave. And why is it important for you know men to take leave? Because the cynical you know response is, well, you know, you didn't get birth. What are you doing? What are you recovering from? Well. If in the corporate setting, you know, let, let, let's forget the, the the part about humans. Let's forget the part about <laughs> wanting to like bond with your brand new baby. So yeah. Screw that. Let's think about it from the workplace point of view. If you want to have equity in the workplace and you want women and men to advance based on their merit and their intelligence and their skills, mm-hmm. well, if uh, men never take the time off, it's going to be seen either explicitly or implicitly as a negative that women have taken time. Mm-hmm. So it is so important. Yeah. For equity um, in advancement, but also the the, the culture and the, the the future financial health of of business. We're not talking about things that are giveaways. This is like the future survival of the company. Is that there is there is equity, and that you know men take the lead just as much as as women do. So that managers start to see, oh, okay, we we really do have to think differently about our employees um, as we you know pivot this company into the you know the next 10, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like parents or anyone who even hopes to be a parent soon is looking for that in a company now more than ever. Um, It's, you know, expected that you're going to have health care and vision and all that. But you're looking when you're looking for a job, people are looking for the benefits like this. And that's what's going to, you know, make or break companies in the future, I think. Yeah. And also, I mean, beyond care work, beyond that, you know, younger workers are like, well, let me, you know, make this make sense to me. You know, you should yeah. that we could do a whole bunch of things remotely. Why do I need to come into the office and sit on a Zoom call or a Microsoft Teams call? And you have a generation of managers like, well, because I did. Or I was there. I'm like, well, that's right. not yeah. a sufficient answer. You mean, but again, the solution is not a wholesale shift. The, the solution is, you know, strategic rethinking of, of mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, let's just not, let's have people come on in to work on specific days, to work on specific things, and then to allow them other days where we're going to trust that we've hired good, smart people who will do their jobs and they will do the things asynchronously. And if in the middle of the day they need to do something to help their child, uh, their Mm -hmm. spouse, their aging parent, well, we're going to trust that they're going to send those emails or work on that PowerPoint at a different time uh, of the day. Now, yeah, maybe that means after bedtime or picking up a few hours on Saturday. Saturday Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. right. That flexibility is so important. Well, Paul, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. If anybody wants to get into your world, find out more about the Company of Dads, where should they look? Yeah, we're on all social media, but they can just go to thecompanyofdads.com. And the one-stop shop for that is our newsletter, The Dad. So thecompanyofdads.com backslash the dad. And uh, it comes out once a week and sort of updates everybody on, on what's been going on. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much. And I'll be sure that all of that is in the show notes as well. Thank you, Courtney. This is awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review or rating wherever you are listening and take a moment and share it with a friend. Until next time, take care.